do you remember learning how to swim? I do, and it was a bit of a terrifying experience, which might be why we remember those kind of things, which is sort of ironic because we sort of get into those things usually for safety so that we can be safe around water. But if you know how to swim, it can seem so natural. If you don't know how to swim, swimming can seem as unnatural as flying. And the earlier we learn to swim, the better, and the longer we wait to learn, the more difficult it can be. However, no matter what, learning to swim requires something that all of us naturally resist. We all naturally resist surrender. Surrender to floating, surrender to an instructor, a parent, an older brother or sister. And if we resist surrendering, we will never learn to swim. And if you resisted, you might never have even gotten in the water. But those of us who learned to swim, eventually we had to let go of the side of the pool. We surrendered to a trusted adult or again, to a swim instructor. And in doing so, we were introduced to the world of swimming that we would have never known or experienced otherwise. A world that we might have watched other people enjoy from a safe distance. The world of wakeboarding, surfing, water skiing, canoeing, rafting, and diving. Uh, not to mention living life without the fear of water. The surrender can lead us to a place uh, we never would have access to otherwise. More on that in a bit. Uh, we're in part two of this series, Grown Up Prayers. Uh, many people sort of grew up praying or, or praying during crises or uncertain moments. And for some of us, our prayers didn't grow up with us. We, we pretty much pray the same way we've always prayed. And some of that is good, but some of that might not be so good, as we discovered last time. In part one of the series, we saw that a Jesus follower asked Jesus how they should pray as grown-ups. And they heard Jesus' prayers frequently, and if he was doing it right, then they had a lot to learn. And so finally, in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished praying, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And this request came up even though they had been praying most of their lives. They were likely brought up praying portions of the Psalms and, and other Old Testament writings. Uh, probably they were praying as they were taught, as children and as teenagers, uh, possibly reciting some of the memorized prayers that maybe some of us know. And so like the disciples, maybe we haven't been praying grown-up prayers like Jesus prayed and like he taught his followers to pray. And so Jesus taught his followers how to pray, but he also taught them how not to pray. He basically said, don't pray to get the attention of other people because God is not impressed with those prayers. Uh, don't keep repeating the same things and same words over and over again as if the frequency or volume of the words will move God to act. And then Jesus said this, For your Father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask Him. To which most of us ask, like, if our Heavenly Father knows or already knows, then why should we ask or pray? And since Jesus is such a powerful teacher, it's possible this question is exactly where Jesus wants us to be. That Jesus wanted them and us, I think, to understand why we should pray. Because many times we reduce prayer to informing God about our needs, wants, and wishes, or maybe the needs, wants, and wishes of those we care for or deeply care for. And for many of us, that is why we were taught to pray. But maybe that isn't the purpose of prayer, which might drastically change some of our prayers and might change how often God answers our prayers. And so Jesus sort of lays out this template for prayer. And we're going to start reading in Matthew chapter 6. You can follow along in the Bible app if you don't have the Bible app head to bible.com slash app. Once you're in the app, head to the more menu option in the bottom right corner, select events, and you can find our church. We'll also have the notes and verses on the screen as well. Uh, again, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Pray like this, Jesus said, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. 
And this is the place in prayer where we sort of recenter our lives. This is the recalibration, regaining our bearings part. And this is where we can sort of see the context of our lives in God's bigger story. That our lives are not significant because of what we accomplish or how long we live. Our lives are made significant because we bear the image of this holy God and we are his children. And when we pause to reflect on who God is, we gain a better understanding of who we are and why we're here. That's from one of my favorite pastors, Andy Stanley. And if you skip over and rush past this, you will be tempted to skip over and rush past what follows. Even worse yet, you will resist what follows. And what follows includes the purpose for why we pray. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, may your will be done right here and right now in my relationships and in the rest of my life. May your plans, your schedule, and your agenda become my agenda. That the first adjustment we likely need to make in our prayers is around the purpose of our prayers. That the purpose of prayer is to align or realign ourselves with God's agenda. And this leads us back to the opening of today's message and really our second adjustment for grown-up prayers. That we don't want to surrender control, right? We want to be in control. And you might say, well, that type of prayer from Jesus is is just too open-ended. I want God to build my kingdom too, especially if I have to let go of the side of the pool and sort of surrender myself to him and to trust him fully. Well, Peter, James, John, Mary, and Martha, Matthew, they would assure you that embracing God's will and agenda in your life introduces you to a world you will never know or experience otherwise. We all can be tempted to sort of skip praying that part about, God, your will be done in my life, because that stands in contrast to why many of us pray. We don't come to God to surrender. We come to God to be reassured and to be rescued, which we might not have needed if we had surrendered to God at the start of the day. So last week, I challenged you to begin your prayers, declare his greatness, and surrender your will. And if there's something in you that hesitates or fears to pray the prayer, God, your will be done, then you need to pay attention to that because that is sort of being afraid or surrendering to let go of the side of the pool. And if we can't put his kingdom first and and align to his agenda, then there isn't really a reason to continue with Jesus' lesson on prayer until we are willing to prioritize his agenda over our agenda and his kingdom over our kingdom. That everything that follows in Jesus' lesson on prayer assumes surrender. That Jesus is not just teaching how to pray, but he is also inviting us to experience the world in a way that we will never experience unless we surrender to God. And it's at this point that Jesus sort of pivots in his prayer template to the part where we usually begin our prayers. Verse 11, give us today. Now we might think this is sort of the prayer request section, but Jesus is requesting we pray for three things that sort of all assume surrender. That these three sections have been summarized as provision, pardon, and protection. And that first section, provision, is give us today the food we need, which is something most of us really don't worry too much about. In fact, most of us have more food than we need, don't we? However, when Jesus' first century audience would hear what Jesus would say, they would likely have thought of their ancestors, who hundreds of years prior were crawling out of their tents in the desert to collect their food for that day. And in those moments in the life of the nation of Israel, God was trying to teach them to recognize their dependence on him. And then he wanted to warn them that the day will come when you will have more than daily food. In fact, you're going to have so much food that other nations will come to you to buy food from you. And he would say, don't be deceived. Even when you have plenty, you are no less dependent on me than you are in this moment. 
And the same is true for us. Even when you have plenty, you are no less dependent on God. And this is the part of our prayer when we remind ourselves that God is our ultimate provider, not just with what we eat, but with everything. And many of the things that we depend on most, we really have little to no control over. And maybe you're facing a season or sort of a circumstance right now when you realize how dependent you are on God. And if that day has not come yet, it will come. Whether it's your health or your income, food, physical or mental health, or one of those things for someone you love, you will be reminded of just how dependent you are on your Heavenly Father and how little control you have over the things that are most important to you. And Jesus says when we pray, we are to pause to declare our dependence on God for his provision of everything we have. And this is even more important in a culture where we get in trouble for our excess rather than our need. And even if you don't think of yourself as wealthy, in our culture of excess, we all take things for granted. And we sort of expect things, feel entitled to things, and consequently we become ungrateful. And compared to most of the world, many of us run the risk of losing an active sense of dependence on God because we have so much. And our prayer time with God can combat that. And there's another prayer from the book of Proverbs that really speaks to this portion of Jesus' template for prayer. It comes from Proverbs 30. It says this, First, help me never tell a lie. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. Now, we like that part about give me neither poverty, but we don't always like the part about not giving us riches, right? Uh, basically, the writer of Proverbs is saying, God, don't give me more than, I, than you know I need. And that's not very American or very Western type of prayer, is it? The writer continues with why this is important. This, why this is an important kind of prayer, particularly for those of us right now and right here. For, for if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? And if I'm too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. And this is a good prayer to memorize and to surrender to God's agenda and will for your life. This prayer can slow us down and remind us of our dependence on our God for everything that comes our way. And not only that, but this prayer also reminds me of my propensity to allow God's blessings in my life to lead me away from Him. First, help me never tell a lie. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, Who is the Lord? And if I am too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. We probably all know people who became so successful they didn't think they needed God anymore because they thought they could take care of things themselves. That I have the potential for that, and I imagine so do you. So praying this prayer could be a powerful reminder that we need God every day for everything, which is the same place where we sort of can't touch the bottom of the pool, the place of surrender. And that is the first section of Jesus' prayer about provision. And the next section is about pardon. Now, you might remember this part of Jesus' template for prayer. This is probably the section we pray the most. Verse 12, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And this is a prayer request with, with a bit of a catch. Jesus is teaching us to ask God to forgive me in the same way and to the same degree that I have forgiven the people who have wronged me. And the assumption for this section is the same as the previous section. The assumption is surrender. That when I pray like Jesus, I pray more like the tax collector than the religious leader. Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. And as Jesus followers, we really don't have an option when it comes to forgiveness. That we are required to do for others as God through Jesus has done for us. 
Uh, we forgive because we have been forgiven. And Paul would come along a little bit later after Jesus and say it this way in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. That we don't forgive because the other people deserve it. We forgive because we have been forgiven. And this part of the prayer reminds us about that by declaring our need for forgiveness. So in this section of the prayer, we need to ask two questions. Number one, do I need to seek forgiveness from someone? And number two, am I withholding forgiveness from someone? That the very thing I want God to do for me, forgive, are, are we withholding that from someone? And to ask God to forgive you while refusing to forgive your brother-in-law, your ex-wife, your former manager, your neighbor, to ask God to do something for you that you are unwilling to do for someone else, makes God just sort of a type of cleaning product in your life rather than your savior who you are following. But to forgive someone before they even ask for forgiveness releases them from a debt that they may never be able to pay. And when you forgive them, you are doing what your Father in heaven did for them. And if we ask God for forgiveness without forgiving others, then we become the hypocrites that Jesus talked about at the beginning of this teaching on prayer. We become a pretender. But if we forgive others as God has forgiven us, then that leads us to a posture of surrender. Heavenly Father, you canceled my debt, so of course I will cancel his. That we shouldn't be surprised that Jesus connects our forgiveness by God to forgiving others. That to refuse to forgive is to refuse to surrender to God. To refuse to forgive is to refuse to follow Jesus. And that it seems to cost so much and require so much, but Jesus wants to introduce us to a place that we will never experience until we forgive. Because surrendering to Jesus when it comes to forgiveness, that protects us from those who hurt us by not allowing them to be our master. The surrendering to Jesus helps ensure that we don't surrender to anger and to bitterness, resentment and revenge. Because those things are not good leaders and they do not deserve our loyalty. But if you allow them to control you, they can reach into your future and possibly into, your, into future generations. And this probably isn't new to you, but you probably know people who had every reason to hang on to their hurt, their resentment, and their grudge, but they decided to surrender those things and decided sort of irrationally to forgive that person. You know people whose present situation in no way reflects their past. And actually, their present situation reflects their freedom from their past, that they learned to swim. They learned to surrender. Uh, learning to pray the way Jesus teaches us to pray is an invitation to surrender, uh, to a better way of living through following Jesus. And to illustrate how important this was to Jesus, he actually ends his prayer lesson this way in verse 14. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And this sort of creates some tension because this isn't always how we were taught this prayer from Jesus. Uh, again, this sort of circle back, circles back to one of Jesus' first points about prayer, don't be a hypocrite. And so, is there anyone you have refused to forgive? And if I were here to hear your story, I would probably agree with you. You have every reason not to forgive. It sort of feels as if you're rewarding the person who hurt you, or you're sort of just letting them off the hook. However, beyond those feelings, Jesus knows what a lack of forgiveness does to the human heart and to your heart. So because he loves you, and because he's a perfect Heavenly Father, he invites you to forgive. So would you be willing to forgive that person as you hope your Heavenly Father will forgive you as well? And when you're willing to forgive, 
You know this, and you've probably seen this in other people. When you are willing to forgive, you will be introduced to a world, to a peace, and to a freedom you will never know otherwise. And so the main point for today is prayer should lead us to depend on and surrender to God. That if your prayers don't require you to depend on God, you might not be praying the kind of grown-up prayers that Jesus wants us to pray. That if your prayers don't lead you to surrender, you might not be praying the kind of grown-up prayers that Jesus wants us to pray. That prayers without acknowledging our dependence on God or without surrender to God are probably more about us and our agenda and our kingdom. They're probably just more about us. So, does prayer work? Well, the Jesus way of prayer works on us and in us. And at times, that can be uncomfortable because we feel so accountable to God that I want God to answer and sort of hear my request, and I want my agenda to be followed. But that reduces prayer to sort of this magic or, or some sort of good luck charm. And in the end, that will leave you safe, empty, and shallow. And you might miss God in the process. But when I pray as Jesus taught us to pray, I'm in a better posture to see God's activity in my life. I'm in a better posture to love you in spite of our differences and what you've done to me. I'm in a better posture to adjust my agenda to God's agenda. And that is the posture that will lead us toward Jesus. That is where the Jesus prayer takes us and leaves us, surrendered and dependent. And so this week, don't only pray for God to align you with his agenda first, but add to it a posture of surrender to God, acknowledging your dependence on God for everything, and your willingness to forgive and love others as God has forgiven and loved you. Prayer should lead us to depend on and surrender to God. So declare your dependence on God for your provision and forgiveness of sin. And surrender your claim to hold a grudge against someone, to forgive them as you want God to forgive you. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Jesus and thank you for his incredible teaching on prayer and helping demonstrate for us what prayer really is all about and the purpose of prayer. And God, thank you also that it helps lead us to a place of surrender. A surrender to you in our plans and our agenda, but also a surrender to you in the sense that, that you're going to be the one that provides for us. And we're acknowledging that you're the one that provides for us. And it's really not about us because we can be so easily tempted to think we provided for ourselves. But God, it also leads us to a place that we surrender our claim to, to hold on to a grudge or to hold something against someone else that, that we really do need to forgive as you have forgiven us. So God, in whatever area of our life that this might speak to us, maybe it's about thinking that we've provided for ourselves and not acknowledging you that you provide for us, or, or maybe it's a lack of forgiveness. Would you help us to know how this applies to our life? And God, this week, would you help us to acknowledge you, to surrender to you in both those areas as we pray? That God, would you help us to realize and see that prayer is about our connection with you, but it's also about us being able to see as you see to see the world as you see, to see people as you see them. So God, would you help us to prioritize praying and starting our day off that way so that we don't get in those moments where we're not really sure exactly what to do because we didn't see as you would want us to see. We didn't start our day the way you would want us to start it. God, help us to acknowledge you in everything. Help us to be dependent and surrendered to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.